Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and I'm with Michael Dermer. He's actually the founder and the author of The Lonely Entrepreneur. Uh, back back a while ago, what Michael did is he went out there and founded and sold his first company to reward people for being healthy and was considered one of the pioneers in the health rewards industry. Overnight, he watched the company that he built from the ground up basically get destroyed due to the financial crisis of 2008. But now Michael's on his mission to go back and help unlock the potential of entrepreneurs worldwide by turning their passion and pressure into success. Uh, Michael, uh, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? Uh, thanks so much for having me, Leonard. Um, you know, as you said, you know, I was a corporate lawyer and I left that corporate environment to start a healthcare company from scratch. And uh, it was the first company to reward people for being healthy in the United States. You know, very, very new concept. Uh, fought the healthcare industry to make it happen uh, over the course of about 10 years. And after building the company up to about a $60 million revenue company with 400 employees, um, you know, watched it almost get destroyed overnight by the financial crisis. And uh, fortunately, we were able to kind of work 20 hours a day for the next two years from 2009 to 2011. And stabilize it and grow it again. And then fortunately um, we were approached and got bought by somebody who thought what we were doing was pretty interesting. So it worked out terrifically, but as you can imagine, and as many entrepreneurs know, it was a pretty wild ride. And that really led me to my, my passion today, which is the lonely entrepreneur to try to help entrepreneurs, you know, learn a little bit from our experience by turning, you know, their, their passion into success. So with a name like the Lonely Entrepreneur, are you able to really attract a lot of people who are like struggling with their success? You know, what's really interesting, Leonard, was when uh, the way my name came from, I was actually doing some entrepreneur coaching in New York City, uh, and uh, one of the people I was coaching said, being an entrepreneur is really lonely. And I was like, wow, you know, that really taps into what a lot of people feel. Um, you know, entrepreneurs have their passion and they really believe in what they're doing. But, you know, even if it's just themselves in their apartment or sitting next to people in Starbucks or even when they're running a 100-person company, um, really a lot falls on your shoulders as entrepreneurs. So um, the name has really resonated with people. I've had people come up to me at, at book signings, you know, with tears in their eyes and say, oh, so you guys really understand what it's like. So it's been, I think, taps into what people actually feel. Oh, that's really interesting how people are really feeling uh, the vibes off the loneliness from the name of the company. I, I mean, I know Ryan, took, me and Ryan, we've been trying to set a meeting for like months and it's pretty much taken a long time to really make that happen. But Ryan talked to you and he said you're a great guy and he said that you're someone I should definitely talk to. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about this uh, lonely entrepreneur journey? Because under my first impression, when I hear the lonely entrepreneur, I'm like, lonely, you're lonely. You're, you're talking to me because you need company, huh? And I'm like, I don't want to be your company. But I'm sure that there's a deeper meaning to that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, what's really interesting is that um, when someone becomes an entrepreneur, there's an amazing amount that people have to digest. Um, there's almost nothing like it in the world. I mean, it's personal, it's professional, it's financial, it's emotional. Sometimes there's family involved, it's your own ego and passion involved. 
And all of that is really a lot to, to handle and digest. And so a lot of times entrepreneurs feel understandably, you know, overwhelmed by that. And you might be sitting in a Starbucks, you know, anywhere in the world, sitting next to five other people who have the same exact problems and issues that you have, and, and everyone kind of feels isolated by it. And so what we're really trying to do with the Lonely Entrepreneurs is say, listen, you know, we, like many others, know what it's like to sit in your shoes, but now we're going to kind of give you the resources you need and organize the resources for you so you can kind of take the energy that, that is around all that loneliness and actually kind of drive, you know, drive success. But it's a, it can be a, a pretty overwhelming experience for most people. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been on this entrepreneurship journey a few times, and it can really get overwhelming. What's some of the biggest challenges that the people that you encounter face? Uh, you know what, Leonard, I think probably the, the, one of the biggest challenges is there's, there's a really big difference between having a skill and running a business. So if you think about um, talented people, chefs, doctors, technologists, people into fashion, um, they have an amazing skill. Um, and that skill can also be, the, also be the impetus for starting a business. Transforming that skill into an, an operation that's actually a functioning business is one of the biggest challenges. You know, um, you can have a, a chef that's formally trained. You can have a technologist that would be willing to write innovative code and develop applications. But how do you turn that into a business? So I think one of the things that we've done with entrepreneurs in the U.S. is we've done a little bit of a disservice by not giving them a, a framework, if you will, to say, here's a business. And even if you have a skill, here are the other things that, that at least you know the context of what you you need to know. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs. Hmm. And how do you really help them with this situation that they're in? You know, Leonard, what was interesting when we first, um, when that person first said to me, being an entrepreneur is really lonely, and we decided to write the book, The Lonely Entrepreneur, which is about my journey and then a whole bunch of lessons, we realized something uh, in talking to entrepreneurs was that while there was no shortage of resources for entrepreneurs, um, they were all over the place and very, very disorganized. And it really goes to the issue I just mentioned about understanding the business. So what we decided to do is we built an online learning platform. And that platform basically breaks a business into 12 different areas. And in those 12 different areas, tries to give an entrepreneur the resources to understand what a business is and what it means in the context of how, how everything uh, fits together. You know, in the U.S. and, and, and throughout the world, in some of the other places that we've been in Mexico and Dubai and other places, it's the same issue. There's no lack of desire to help entrepreneurs, but how do we actually give them a map and a framework um, so that the more information that's coming at them, it doesn't come confusing. It actually seems like it's part of a, a structure and a plan. So that's, that's how we try to approach it. Oh, cool. So you take the educational approach, you lay out the whole blueprint, you give you 12 different lessons or 12 different um, sections to a, lesson and they take this information, digest it one by one, and by the end of everything, they should be able to go out there and become an actual entrepreneur. Exactly, Leonard. And, you know, we also wrap a community around it where everybody has the opportunity to dialogue with each other. Um, but I think as you just described it, you know, it's not hard to find great information on sales marketing or raising money or, or finances. We tried to put it all together in one place so it actually feels like a kind of a cohesive program. So they say, hey, listen, somebody told me I'm supposed to think about the valuation of my company or somebody says, hey, you should be on Instagram. Um, you try to buy, give them one destination where it kind of all fits within a, 
within a map as you described it. Hmm, that's pretty neat. So what, what differentiates us from maybe like an entrepreneurship master's program at like a college or maybe like a BA degree yeah. in business over at like USC or some school like that? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think also, you know, what differentiates it from the bits and pieces that I was talking about? I think that um, obviously we would all benefit from, a, you know, an MBA in entrepreneurship, um, but we all can't afford to do that. Um, I think the, the, the two things that we really tried to do is, number one, we know what it's like to sit in the entrepreneur's shoes. So it's not like, you know, a big consulting coming in with a Fortune 500 company and kind of popping a report on your desk. And entrepreneurs, you know, who are listening know it's a very different exercise. I think that's number one. And number two, you know, Leonard, it really is what we were talking about before, which is this idea of a, a framework and a structure. Um, all the different modules we have in these 12 areas are things that you might be able to get individually in a group, in a, you know, in a class on, on finance or on sales and marketing. We tried to put them all together in a structure so when you're going through, through these things, you understand the context of the business as a whole. There's wonderful resources out there for entrepreneurs and all of these different kind of spokes of the wheel, if you will. I think it's really providing that framework and structure that hopefully provides a lot of value for entrepreneurs. Cool. So what's usually the first thing that these entrepreneurs need to learn when they take your uh, course? <laughs> um, you know, what we tried to do in these 12 modules is let them kind of interact with different pieces based on where they are. But what I would say is this. I think one of the most important things that they have to learn um, is something that we at the Lonely Entrepreneur call finding a playground where nobody else is playing. Um, I think, you know, uh, there's so much competition and so much capital chasing new ideas. And, um, you know, it's amazing how quickly you can develop and launch a business. I mean, you and I could come up with an idea on this radio show and have a, uh, have a website and social media up before we get off the phone, right? So That's true. it's really about finding these playgrounds where it's only you, right? Um, you know, people will say, hey, I want to start a you know, public relations firm. And their friends will say to them, well, okay, you're going to go to the conference with all the public relations professionals. And we really say, wait, listen, why would you go wherever else is going when you have less resources and less capital? So it's really about finding that playground. If you think about what we did in the rewards industry in healthcare, we were providing reward programs for healthcare behaviors. There were many, many reward programs that existed at the time. All we did was apply it to a different playground, and that gave us a point of distinction. So I think... Um, if you think about like books like Blue Ocean and things like that, that are really trying to define new spaces, you really try to uh, hone in on some of this differentiation around finding these playgrounds where nobody else is playing. Cool. So your prior company uh, where you did these health rewards, was that like Paige Craig's Betterworks company? Um, it, was, it, was, it was a little bit different. It's almost like if you think of your, you know, your American Express reward program or your Marriott reward program or your airline miles program, uh, except you would be rewarded for healthcare behaviors like eating better, exercising, you know, going and getting a mammogram or an annual screening. Um, and, and what was so interesting about the journey, Leonard, was that um, there were these, like I said before, reward programs all over the place, and we actually approached some of the big credit card and loyalty companies and say, hey, listen, we should partner because this is a concept that looks very similar. Um, and even with that, um, it was very hard for people to get their arms around 
um, rewarding people for healthy behavior. And a lot of people in the healthcare industry said, why would you reward people who are not being healthy? And so, you know, I talk about it now, like we're some pioneer, we did something great, but at the time, um, people slammed doors in our faces for, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, and so we learned a lot about what it takes to bring a new idea to life. You know, one of the lessons that entrepreneurs have to learn, which is, you know, in our, in our program as well, is the more different your idea is, the more people are going to say no. Um, hmm. And so, you know, our journey around rewarding people for being healthy and then ultimately, you know, today, 90% of companies do it and government is doing it. Um, it was really an amazing learning experience that hope, we hope to share with a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Nice. Yeah, I can definitely see how tough breaking into an industry like that is, especially if you have to go get buy-in, you're presenting a brand new idea. All these companies right. are set in their own ways. There's no real change management happening in around 2008. I mean, that's got to be one of the toughest situations to go through. And um, you probably learned maybe a lot of resilience through something like that, right? You know, you, it sounds like you were almost in one of our sales meetings, Leonard, describing, you know, all the things that you described. And then you also had kind of the, the morality of it, right? This whole notion that it was, it was not only non-existent in the U.S., but it was almost offensive to go to the healthcare industry and say, you know, we're going we're gonna to pay a pregnant mom who's not following her prenatal care or we're going to pay a diabetic who's you know, eating cheeseburgers all day and not taking care of him and herself. So I think this is, you know, one of the things that, and it sounds like you've been through the journey yourself, you know, one of the things you learn is that if you take the time to validate the viability of your idea, right, and we have models about that as well, uh, and you stick to that vision, um, the more different that vision is, the more you're going to get doors slammed in your face. And, um, you know, we really, you know, we used to tell the story of, of Amazon and we used to say, especially through that, you know, financial crisis that we went through and we had all the success of building this company through the struggle, almost to watch it get destroyed. Um, we used to tell them that, you know, Amazon told the world that no one would ever buy a book in a bookstore and it would cost them billions of dollars to do it. And it took them, you know, twice what it, they told the world it would take them, but today, obviously, Amazon is the amazing company it is today. So you have to validate um, that idea and your belief in the idea. And once you do, you've got to really learn that the, the ups and downs of every day are just part of the journey that you have to be able to, to manage as an entrepreneur. But let's say I'm like 19 years old. All my friends are out partying. They're all drinking. They're all having fun. And I come up with this idea and I want to go validate it. So I go to my friends and they're all like, oh, that thing's never going to work. How am I ever going to find the validation in a situation like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I would say. Um, one of the skills you have to learn as an entrepreneur is, you know, how to, how to take all these different pieces that come together and apply them. And you're, you're giving an example of one, right? You have an idea. Now, how do you go validate it? Well, you can't really validate it with people that have a vested interest in you one way or another, right? So if, whether it's your 19-year-old friends or your mom, your dad, your boyfriend, your wife, your husband, whatever, your kids, whatever it may be, because they have a bias. They may have a bias to help you. They may have a bias because they're jealous of you, whatever it may be. What you really have to do is, let's say, for example, I had an idea, and Leonard, we don't know each other very well, but I'm like, well, I understand Leonard's got great business judgment, right? People speak highly of him. And I, and I went to you and said, hey, Leonard, I have this idea. Um, you don't really have the bias with me, so you would be objective. You would say, hey, Michael, I think that's a terrible idea. 
hey, Michael, I think that's a great idea, or Michael, I think that has potential, but only if you did it a little bit this way or a little bit that way. So just learning who to go to uh, and going to just a trusted person you might know who, who may not have a vested interest in you is just one of those skills that hopefully hopefully make you realize that your idea is, you know, along the spectrum you think it is. So how do people find these people? Um, normally it's, you know, through your networks. Um, you just have to make sure it's not your friends and family, right? Because they always have the bias. So I know, especially these days, there's so many different um, incubators, accelerators, workspaces, universities, where people are ready, willing, and able to be mentors and coaches for no cost um, to listen to people. I know in my industry in healthcare, um, it's really easy for somebody in healthcare where I live in New York City to reach out through a place called Blueprint Health or or through the different places there and say, hey, listen, I want to talk to somebody about my idea. And, and people are kind of ready, willing, and, and able to do it. So I think 20 years ago, that was much harder. And today, it's, it's pretty easy to find somebody who hopefully will be very objective with you. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> there are a lot more startup communities and a lot more resources popping up now than there was back in like 2008. 2008, you got to tell your friends, and they're like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you think really made the difference for uh, being able to knock through those doors, get your service uh, within those companies and like get them to actually see that this is the wave of the future? Um, you know, it's really interesting, Leonard, because when you, when you describe the concept, right, we're going to reward people for being healthy and you, the healthcare company, whether it's a health plan or a, or a government, will save money. And there really wasn't that big of a debate. You know, they knew, for example, if more pregnant women followed their prenatal care, they would save money. Um, it wasn't really just even that concept that did it. Um, a lot of times what did it was that you had to, um, you had to create some leverage for yourself with these large healthcare companies. So, for example, while it should have made sense that someone was going to save money, um, a lot of times what moved the needle was the fact that their competitors might do it. So if we went to a large health plan like a Aetna or a Cigna or United Healthcare or a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan that some of your audience might know, um, a lot of times they would do things because their competitors were thinking about doing it. So one of the skills you develop as an entrepreneur, and certainly we had to develop, is that it's not just about the value of your solution. Um, a lot of times, especially in slow-moving industries like healthcare, there's a lot of things they do today just because they did them yesterday. Um, and so you really have to not only put forth the value of your solution, but you also have to be able to create some influence and leverage to get them to move. Um, think about when something comes across your desk or my desk. It really takes a lot for us to go, you know, ooh, I'm going to pay attention to that. You're not paying attention to all the details until somebody makes you go, ooh. So entrepreneurs always have to understand that while we fall in love with our products and services, it's all about what are the big, you know, burning platforms that exist in your customers that your solution somehow makes them go, ooh, and then they'll pay attention. So, you know, we really had to learn to do that, that, that just because something got brought to healthcare, it wasn't, didn't mean that something was going to move quickly. That, that makes sense. Uh, and it's really hard to get those buy-ins, especially at that type of stage that you're at. And it's yeah. pretty impressive that you were able to actually do this and go and start a company and exit it. Uh, I mean, how long did it take for you to exit? Like, what year did you exit, and what did you do immediately after that? 
Um, so it was about 10 years, um, all told. Um, I think had the, had we not, had the financial crisis not hit in 2008, we probably would have exited probably in about seven years. Um, we had built up to a really nice sized company by 2008. We had venture capital, but then obviously what happened with 2008 really hurt us and was really kind of dramatic, you know, worldwide. It took a long time to recover, but it was, it was 10 years. Um, I'd say Leonard probably five years. Um, we heard a lot of no's and then, um, you know, in the middle of the 2000s, it really, it really started to take off when the healthcare system, you know, realized some of the problems that it had. Um, and as I said before, you know, way back when, uh, as would people describe, would describe us as kind of crazy. And then, you know, later on, now that there's reward programs every year or, or everywhere, rather, now we're a pioneer, right? <laughs> it's just like a yeah. fashion trend. Uh, people talk about it, and if it comes to life 10 years later, then people are, are, are pioneers. Um, and so there's no question some of the things that you're tapping into, you know, the resilience and all that, but it was really the belief in an idea that had value that we had validated a lot. And, and we really didn't waver from that um, over the course of that period of time. And now, you know, I have an amazing job now. Um, after I had sold my company and I was just relaxing in New York City, taking easy for the first time in over a decade, um, I was coaching entrepreneurs and somebody said being an entrepreneur is really lonely. And, and just like we had the idea for rewards at healthcare, it was just that second idea that hit me. And it was just, it was a blessing because having gone through the experience that we went through, you know, what better way than to wake up every single day and help entrepreneurs, um, turn the passion that so many of us have, but maybe don't have the map to do it and learn from some of our bumps and bruises and scars to be able to help them, you know, every single day. So that's that's how I spend my time today. But it's uh, it's amazingly rewarding. That's pretty awesome. Now, let's say I've been sitting here. I've been working on my startup for like two years. Um, I'm very in belief of what I'm doing, but then I'm feeling that potentially I could be delusional because money's not coming in, but I really yeah. believe in my idea and I know it's going to change things and I've seen a little small success, but a lot of bad things have happened and I've rode this emotional roller coaster and I'm mostly just coasting at the bottom and yep. I, I don't know. Let's say I'm ready to like call it quits, but I want to just keep going, and I know in my heart that I should keep going. Like, what would you tell someone in a situation like that? Yep. Um, at the end of the day, you know, being an entrepreneur has to be fun, um, and there's a lot of times through the ups and downs that it doesn't it doesn't seem like fun. Here's what I would say: um, number one, it really is all about applying the effort to the skills that make a difference, right? So you would hope. You know, if I was sitting with that entrepreneur, I'd want to make sure that they have the skills to make their sales message clear, to make sure they're managing their day the right way, to make sure that they're going to market in a way where they're finding their own playground. You know, these key critical things that drive success so to say, okay, if you're applying these skills, um, that's one thing. But if you're not applying them, um, then you're probably limiting your success. I mean, think how many times, Leonard, somebody is offering something to you and they send you a 10-paragraph email that you're never going to read, right? So, so would there be specific things that where their energy could go that could drive another level of success? Um, secondly is, you know, if somebody has a really good idea, um, it doesn't always mean that you have to build a company from scratch, right? There's other ways to bring that to life. Um, 
uh, you might decide to partner with a larger company. Um, I didn't tell you in the beginning, but the first thing we did when we came up with our idea is we went to a credit card company who had a loyalty program and said, um, we should partner because we're about to build this business and let's do a joint venture. And it turned out not happening, but a lot of times entrepreneurs can get burned out by trying to bring a new interesting idea to market when they might be able to partner with somebody that has the things that an entrepreneur doesn't have, which is capital and resources. And, and especially in the United States now, there are U.S. companies um, especially have a ton of cash on their balance sheets. Uh, if somebody could bring them an innovative idea that they could bring to life, um, you know, they would, they would invest in it. And so, um, you know, in, the, in our modules, we call this Why Build a Rocket when NASA has plenty of them. And um, so sometimes, you know, there's other ways to try to realize um, how to bring your idea to life other than bring from scratch. And then finally, I would say, Leonard, um, there are times where it is time to kind of put it on the side uh, and, and take a step away from it. Um, but you would hope that you give somebody the ability to exhaust, you know, learning the skills and or, you know, going to a partner to see if they could make it happen. Cool. Well, that makes a lot of sense, especially with the other options out there. And we really do appreciate this information. Uh, we'll be hopping off to a commercial break real fast. You can find me at uh, Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And I think you're at The Lonely Entrepreneur, right, on Twitter? Is that right? Uh, it's, it's The Lonely E. The Lonely E. You can find Michael at The Lonely E on uh, Twitter. And we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern noon pacific on the voice america influencers channel change starts here change starts now join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree 
to reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and we're back with Michael Derner. In the first half of the segment, we really went over the struggles that entrepreneurs really face, and Michael just uh, showcased a little bit inside his life and showed how um, lonely the entrepreneur journey really is. In this segment, we're going to be talking about what we're going to be doing to really maximize your influence, because you've probably gone out there, decided to become an entrepreneur, want to go out there and really get that exposure for your business, but... A lot of people struggle with this. They don't exactly know how to bring the attention to what they're doing. Michael, what would you think, what would you say is one of the biggest uh, reasons why people don't know how to bring attention to their business? You know, it's interesting, Leonard, because I think you go back 10 or 20 years ago before the advent of social media, there were pretty defined tactics that were used, you know, to market, right? Um, you would people go to, they go to trade shows, right? They would do advertising. Um, you know, they would use public relations, and it was pretty easy to understand. Not necessarily to get results, because it's always hard to get results and attention. But it was easy to understand kind of the pieces of options for you. In my old business around healthcare, we were selling the health plan, so we could say, "Great, we're going to go to trade shows," and that gave us like a focused way to do it. Now you have so many mediums uh, with social media and other. Uh, all of which are kind of uh, real-time for everybody, that, uh, that I think it becomes legitimately difficult for entrepreneurs to see how they're going to stand out. Uh, if you think about it, you know, there's so, so, so many people on social media, whereas before, not everybody could afford public relations or advertising or things like that. So it's, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. I'd say first and foremost, um, your, your message through any of these mediums strategically has got to be... Uh, genuine and different, right? Um, it's very, very difficult to say I do something a little bit better or to say I have a little bit of a better mousetrap because there's so much clutter and noise uh, that it's hard to stand out. So uh, that genuine message, whatever it is that your business is, right, um, you have to really deliver true value that you genuinely believe in. Um, you know, I've heard you uh, uh, talk on social media and other, other mediums, certainly for us, um, you know, we wake up, up every day genuinely believing in helping the entrepreneur. And I think if you stay true to that genuineness, it will serve you a long way regardless of the medium. And then secondly is, you know, it's a little cliche, but it's what we were saying before. You have to find a playground where nobody else is playing. And, and if you can find something that's genuinely you're the only game in town, um, then obviously the mediums you use, like social media and PR and others, can can stand up. Um, you know, think about uh, many, many different businesses that we look at now and we go, yeah, of course, um, that didn't exist at the time. And so um, regardless of the tactics, remember, we all do the same tactics. We all use the same social media tools and, and marketing outlets and, and influencers and things like that. So what really stands above? What stands above is the genuineness of serving your customer and trying to find a, a place where you're really standing out. That, that makes a lot of sense. One thing that I've seen, uh, basically being a, around a lot of entrepreneurs for a long time, is a lot of people, 
they don't want to build a business because they're passionate about making a change in a particular industry, but they're more driven by the cash factor of it. They're like, oh, yeah, I want to get rich. I want to change my life. I want to go out there and make a lot of money. And this is usually yep. their driving factor to come up with like maybe like a health benefits company or like a company that could make your socks turn into shoes or something like that. And their primary yeah, yeah. motive, <laughs> their primary motivator is like this money factor. Like, is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? Do these entrepreneurs have a chance at success when they're following the cash or do they have to have more yep. than that cash? Because you're talking about this passion. And I saw a lot of entrepreneurs not really have that passion. Yeah, it's so true. Um, you know, what's, what's, really great about social media is you don't get to fake it, right? Um, mm -hmm. That people, how many times do we open up our inbox every day and we say, you see something that says, I have something that's going to change your life and it costs five ninety nine. I mean, so the social media, while it's, it's really hard to stand out, it's done an amazing job about uh, putting a premium on genuineness. Because, as you said, you know, Leonard, people going out there chasing the dollar, um, that will shine through relatively quickly on social media. And so the reason why when you asked me the question about marketing, I didn't go to, you know, you got to do this on Facebook or this on Instagram is because it really does become about a genuine desire to make your customer successful. If your customer is a woman who wants to buy a pair of shoes, uh, somebody who's running a business, right? Somebody that's trying to fix healthcare, whatever it is. If you don't wake up and deliver messages that are not about you and not about how you make money, but about how they solve their most important um, things that cause them pleasure or pain, social media will weed you out very, very quickly. Um, mm. And so I think, you know, you're, what you're mentioning about focusing on cash is we all kind of wash our mouth out every single day when we get those, Right. And, and mm -hmm. the people that are delivering those really need to hear the message we're delivering here about the, the need for there to be a genuine desire, desire to help your customer be successful or happy. Yeah, that definitely makes sense, especially since there's so many entrepreneurs who <clears throat> they're following the vision of like the flashy cars and like the lifestyle. And it's like, right. it's not really about the lifestyle. It's about making change. And it's about making an impact. Yeah. You don't set off on this journey to go make a lot of cash because chances are you don't. <laughs> so uh, in this entrepreneur journey, like we, we see people going out there and they have the same tactics, especially when it comes to genuineness. That's what really helps people stick out and having a unique selling proposition that really makes them stand out. Let's, let's say you're doing something like Let's just go with the very basic entrepreneur. Like, let's just say someone wants to become, like, a dog walker. Like, how, how yep. could a dog walker, like, really stick out when there's, like, a dog walking app, there's all these dog walking businesses out there? What can make a dog walker unique? Um, so let's say I know nothing about dog walking, but I know that the key skill that I have to be able to have is I've got to be able to create a playground where nobody else is playing, Right. So, mm -hmm. so let's say, you know, you're in New York City where just I am and you're going to, you're like, oh, wow, there's so many dog walkers here. There's, there's all different types and prices. And all you're going to do is be a dog walker for pregnant moms. Mm. Right? And 
you're going to message about pregnant moms. You're going to talk about, you know, my God, I already have, I'm about to have a baby and I've already got a baby in the form of a dog. And you message that way and you, you talk to influencers that think about pregnant moms and, and you, you sell products and services related to pregnant moms and you, you'll, you'll take their, their dog and walk them over to the, the prenatal care clinic, whatever it may be. These may be dumb ideas, right? But, but the, the point is that every single industry is crowded. Anybody who comes into your office and tells you that I've got the next big thing um, and there's no competition, um, it's probably not true. And frankly, the, the, the bigger the idea, the more that people like Apple and people like you know, Facebook are going to care about it, right? So take it down to what you said, Leonard, right? The most basic idea. Um, you've got to be able to say, how do I have a different angle? Now, are you doing something so much different with your dog walking approach? You may, a little bit for a pregnant mom. But what you're really doing is honing in on this place where, where maybe there's nobody that's focused on that market. And you can go there even without the resources of bigger companies. You can go there and win, right? Um, yeah. So I really think that, that finding those, those unique spots where you're the only game in town um, become incredibly important in a, in a hyper-competitive world. So by figuring out how to find your own playground, what you're really doing is you're taking your idea and you're trying to fit it into an area where no one else is around. So like, let's yep. just say you're a cupcake baker. You could be a cupcake baker for diabetics or you could be a cupcake baker for people who had heart disease or something like that. And then like really go totally. and find that fine-tuned niche where no one's really marketing to that target area. Yeah. And, and what's funny when that happens, Leonard, people will a couple years later look back and go, oh, my God, how come I didn't realize that? Um, we did a program. We were doing some work with a company that provided health and wellness programs to big health plans. And as you may know, there's hundreds and hundreds of them now in the health mm-hmm. and wellness industry, and they were really struggling. And we started asking them questions about their business. And one of the things they had done is they had provided a lot of programs for the Hispanic community. And we started to ask them questions about it. And it turns out that in the Hispanic community, there were two things that really made a difference. Uh, number one was religion, right? The church guiding them to do something, including their health, made a huge difference. And secondly was transportation. There were people that wanted to be healthy, but they didn't have ways to get to hospitals and healthcare systems. And so they focused just on the Hispanic community and that became their playground that nobody else was focusing on. And then all of a sudden, you know, a year later, they were the the winner in that space and people were chasing them. So as you said, it's incredibly important to find that playground. Yeah, it sounds really important to find that playground, figure out exactly what market you're going to target, because guess what? That could be the determining factor on whether or not you succeed. Now, some people... Yeah, So some people are going out there and they really want to build this brand and they want to get more exposure. Like, what, what are some of the tactics that you see working more than others for just bringing more eyeballs to what you're doing? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that of all the, of all the tactics out there, I think, you know, social media and some of the other traditional marketing tactics, um, you know, they're, they're the tactics used by everybody. And I think there's a reason why, if you go back five years ago, the use of, of influencers was just one of many. And I think now the use of, of influencers has become, even for corporate America, you know, a predominant tactic. And, and here's, here's why I think that is and why I think it's so important, um, it is very difficult to cut through the clutter of the world we live in today to develop true trust 
with a customer, whether that's an individual consumer or with a business, right? And, and true influencers that have genuine relationships with their social media folks or their other folks, they've developed that trust, right? And, and they entrust that influencer to say, hey, listen, don't bring me things that don't 100%, right, deliver on what I want because otherwise you're going to breach my trust. And so, you know, it's very, very difficult to develop your own audiences with the trust that that deserves, much more difficult um, than I think it was, you know, 10 years ago. So I think the tactic that can have great value is working with influencers. But as we said before, it has to be genuine. You have to go to an influencer and say, listen, I'm going to earn the right for you to expose me to your, uh, to your audience, that, that guarded, trusted audience that you've created. And mm-hmm. this is not, hey, I'm going to send somebody a note and, and all of a sudden we're going to open up the kimono. You should get to know them, understand why you add value to their business, whether it's in terms of adding value or financially, um, and spend your time, you know, earning the right to have their attention. And then if you do, um, you have the opportunity to get great relationships that become truly um, mutually beneficial. As you can imagine, the entrepreneur space, um, we've been fortunate enough to get some amazing relationships with people because we're genuine. Um, and our job is to ultimately help them help their trusted audiences be successful. So I think that's probably, you know, the most differentiated technique that's out there. Hmm. Well, since you have this program where you're providing the framework to, for people to really go out there and become successful with their businesses, uh, one thing I really wanted to know is how do you know our is there one particular student that's been through everything that you've gone through that's made significant change? And would you be able to like outline that as like a case study so people could see like what kind of results you could actually get with something like this? You know, I think if, if I had the one magic bullet, right, (laughs) I don't think there's one piece of it. Here's what I would say. There's a, there's a skill side of it and there's an emotional side of it. Um, uh, you know, you know, a long time ago, like when I started my business, if you had passion and grit and a good idea, that was plenty. And now mm-hmm. having those things is just, just what you need to get on the ride. You've really got to be able to combine that with some of the things we've been talking about here, which is the ability to develop the skills uh, as an entrepreneur to, you know, sell better and raise money quicker and hire the right people. So I'd say there's two, um, you know, themes. Leonard, one is how do you manage yourself, right? And one of the 12 modules we have is about managing yourself and the ups and downs and, you know, things like, like it or not, you need to be the CEO and how everybody's watching every word that you say along the way. There's that whole theme. And then the other theme is skills, right? How do I understand financial statements? How do I do some of the tactical marketing things that we've been talking about here? Um, And hopefully, you know, you're able to have entrepreneurs go, oh, that's what a business is. Those are the different pieces. I may not understand all of them, but at least I know the context of what they are, so I can I can manage through some of the some of the challenges that you've been you've been asking me about. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, <clears throat> you don't have any examples of like maybe one particular person who's like, oh, I went from here to here, or any things that you can think of that you've found quite impressive from what. Um, your students have done? Yeah, I would say that, that there's two things that come to mind. Um, you know, one was a particular individual that had 
um, a medical technical background, and he had they had really they had built a service to help women um, use DNA testing when they were pregnant. You know, so now the DNA tests are so much more uh, sophisticated than they used to be, and they were really tr- struggling selling. And the way they would sell is they would go to the, the pregnant mom and say, "Hey, we're going to go take the test, and we're going to have a follow up visit." And it was very kind of a tactical. Here's our quote unquote service. Um, and they spent a lot of time, you know, working on the part around uh, differentiating and standing out from the crowd and, and creating influence with customers. You know, some of the modules around revenue generation we have in there. And they changed their message a lot to um, a much more emotional appeal to mothers. You know, things like, is there anything you wouldn't do for your unborn baby? Um, mm. And what they found was that the response was significantly different. Um, and they really focused on one of our modules, which is called differentiating your offering, um, to really put them into market a different way. And then the second thing, which was um, incredibly powerful and rewarding, you know, we actually got a message on Facebook from somebody that told us that he was had been thinking about committing suicide. Oh. And um, he reached out to us to say that he had heard a podcast that we had done. And our podcasts are generally talking about people's journeys from from struggle to success and had listened to one in particular. And he said, um, it actually gave him the clarity to go, Oh, listen, many other people go through this. And he dusted himself off and said, I don't think the same way anymore. He's like, I think about how do I improve on these skills and and focus my effort on that. And said that he was, you know, on the verge of suicide and, and now he focuses effort as hard as it is in the right way. So you can imagine, um, it's one thing to have a business that imagines people's lives. Um, you know, if, if, if that's not, you know, success, I don't know what is. Yeah, back in 2013 to 2014, I used to get a lot of messages like that where people were like, oh, I'm really struggling, but after reading this, I feel okay. And I realized that my problem wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And that could be another problem in itself, like people thinking that their problems are a lot more major than they really are. And it's yeah. easy to like see it that way, especially when you're in this uh, little view where of your tiny world and you're not communicating with anyone else. Like Sometimes what you see in your own mind is the worst thing that could ever happen in your life. And it's really hard yeah, and, to break and, free from that to see other perspectives. Yeah, and I'm sure you get those messages a lot, given what you do. And, you know, it's interesting because it goes back to your question in the beginning of, you know, the quote-unquote lonely entrepreneur. You know, the, there could be people sitting in a really crowded Starbucks with a lot of noise and everybody yakking and a bunch of people in there on their laptops sitting right next to people and feel incredibly isolated and alone. Um, and so... Uh, you know, part of it is, is these skills we're talking about, and part of it is just understanding that this is the nature of the beast and there's other people in the community with you and people like, you know, you and me that are out there and wake up every day trying to help them. But it can be a pretty pretty overwhelming feeling, and when you've been doing it for a while or the example you gave me before about somebody who might be doing it for a longer period of time um, mm-hmm. and really feels like that's um, what we say, you know, running in quicksand, Um you know, that can be overwhelming. And so, you know, how do you actually give people the ability to not just feel a little bit better, but actually see results in their business, which, I, which you know, nothing breeds success like success. And so when they start to feel what they're going to do tomorrow is, is growing their business and advancing their business, that's where hopefully they'll be able to kind of peel through the quicksand and, 
and get some clarity on, on having a, a positive outlook a, approach rather and actually seeing results in the business. Hmm. So what kind of advice would you tell to someone who has had success and they've been breathing more success, but they got to a point where they're like, oh, it's just more success. It doesn't really matter. Like, what would you tell someone like that? Yep. Um, to me, um, being an entrepreneur is not really about running a business. Um, it's, it's not a job, you know, it's an identity. And uh, being an entrepreneur is about, to me, living a more fulfilling life. And so if you have somebody that maybe has an idea uh, in the back of their head, or like you said, somebody that's had success, um, the journey of living a more fulfilling life and letting those next ideas or the next advancement of your business, you know, push you to your own limits of what you wanted to do. Um, that's not to say that people that are being successful and making money and, and enjoying their lives, you know, uh, shouldn't uh, get great solace from that. But if you really think about continuing to push yourself to live your most fulfilling life, uh, that will oftentimes spur people to say, hey, listen, I might want to grow my business a little bit more. I might want to spend more time on charity. I might want to give back more to my family. Uh, and so if an entrepreneurial journey has given you success to help you do those things, at the end of the day, to me, it's about being engaged and moving your identity towards what you consider fulfillment, whatever that may, whatever that may be. And a lot of times that happens in the context of, a, of an entrepreneur's journey. So basically, to sum everything up, if you're on this journey, it's more than just a journey. It's an identity to who you are. It becomes a lifestyle. Everything that you're doing is for one specific cause, and that's really just to go out there and help others get to where they want to go. And if you're not following that path for your journey, then there might be something a little wrong with what you're doing, and you may have to recalibrate and figure out exactly what you're doing to get out of there. But the first most important thing is make sure that you're looking for the playground where there is no one playing. Because if you're a dog walker, guess what? There's millions of dog walkers out there. But how many dog walkers are catering to maybe pregnant women or people who suffer from heart attacks or a yep. smaller niche within the niche? And basically, yep. to sum everything up, everyone has the opportunity to really go out there and achieve success. And you just have to really follow a blueprint. And Michael Dermer, uh, do you have a website where people can check out uh, your material? Um, first of all, again, Leonard, thank you so much for having me. Yep, they can check us out at, at lonelyentrepreneur.com. We've got a, a, a free list where people sign up, get a free perspective of the day, like some of the things we've been talking about here and obviously our our learning community is on there. And as you mentioned, you know, we're on Twitter uh, at the lonely E and also if you look at us on Facebook or, or Instagram, the lonely entrepreneur. Um, and I just wanted to thank you so much for having us. Oh, of course. Anytime, Michael. And once again, you can find me at Mr. Larry Kim on Twitter or at LarryKim.com. And thank you so much for joining in and tuning in to grow your influence tree this week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.